This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome back to the Cooler Jets podcast. We're with Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, the Jets just wrapped up their second preseason game of the season, a 27 to nothing shutout over the Panthers. One of the more enjoyable preseason games I've uh, had the pleasure of watching, just stress-free Jets football, a shutout. We're seeing Zach Wilson lead a touchdown drive, spin moves all over the field. This Jets defensive line is so fun to watch. And honestly, this game just showed how deep this this Jets team was. So uh, before we get into it, you were at the game, you are on the field before the game. Uh, we'll get into some of your your insights, and then we just briefly rewatch the game and have a few more uh, takeaways. But before all that, Michael, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, and as far as preseason games go, I think this is about as positive of an outcome as you can get, not just because of the scoreboard, but you know the specific players who played well and the things they did well were a lot of the things we wanted to see in this game. You know, We wanted to see the young defensive lineman flash. We wanted to see the O-line improve um, for Zach to continue building on the things he was doing. Um, there, there were just a lot of areas where we were looking to see some progress, wanted to see continued development and and we did in a lot of those areas so just across the board i think a lot of the depth of the roster as you said really shined in this game especially because you know early part of the game they were going up against the first team panthers offense and a little bit of the first team defense and um, for the most part i think we saw some really good production against those starting units so it was a very promising outcome all around. Yeah, when you watch that defensive line and then you imagine they can add Carl Lawson, Quinn and Williams and JFM to it and I guess we'll throw in Al Woods as well. That's a starting offensive line, and I know the Panthers don't have a great offensive line, uh, but that's a starting offensive line that they just they just beat the shit out of. I mean, all game. Uh, that that Jermaine Johnson spin move into bull rush sack that he had might be one of the prettiest sacks I've seen in a long time. I know Will McDonald got him in the action as well. Uh, I guess, you know, normally we start with the offense. We'll start with Zach Wilson normally, but let's start with the defensive line. I think that was the biggest takeaway for, for me watching this game is just we already knew it. We've been talking about it all offseason. But, man, is this unit to watch. Uh, man, is this unit fun to watch. What were some of your uh, your big takeaways from, from watching these guys? Well, I thought McDonald and Johnson really stood out. And you and I were talking about this before we started recording. We were re-watching some of these reps. But, you know, they showed things that we don't usually see from Jets edge, edge rushers, you know, over the past 10 plus, I mean, you can, you can go even beyond 10 years. I mean, never since John Abraham, I guess, but just like finesse and skill and speed from the edge position. And, you know, Bryce Hoff gave up, gave us a really good uh, season as a situational pass rusher last year. Carl Lawson had a, a good year, but the upside that JJ and McDonald showed today is like, that's that top tier game changing potential that the Jets, you know, haven't had in a very long time, just their ability to combine speed with, technique is that's what gives them the potential to be great and for jj last year you know we only saw a few glimpses of that but really through this entire training camp so far now two preseason games we've seen him show flashes that he has made the improvements that we want to see him make you know adding more moves to his toolbox having counters 
Um, just overall sharpening up the finesse side of his pass rush game because we know he has the physical tools and he showed last year he can use them. But, you know, last year he had, or not last year, last week he had the pass deflection off a really good move. And then this week, I mean, he's just stacking moves all over the place. That The one sack he had is one of the most impressive plays that he's made in his career so far. Uh, you know, spinning inside, then converting that into a bull rush, and then coming off for the sack. And an underrated part of that play that I saw after watching it a few times, probably watched it like 20 times by now. Um, but you could see the running back was coming off up on the right side and he was going to try and chip Johnson, but I'm not sure if Johnson initially planned the spin anyway, or if he was responding to that, but the running back was going to chip him. But by spinning inside, Johnson dodges that chip, the running back completely whiffs. So that's a potential blocker that Johnson avoids. And then off that spin, he gets the tackle on his heels, converts into the bull rush comes off for the sack. So that was an awesome play. And then McDonald just continues to flash. We saw that he had a slick spin move last week. And then this week he comes out, he gets that sweet move going around the corner. And then just the bend he shows at the edge at the end of that run. That is the number one trade that you need to be a star edge rusher, like a sack artist who makes those big plays. That's what you need to have to do that. The ability to at the end of your win to bend that corner and get back to the quarterback finish the sack that's what he showed in his college tape and he showed it on that sack right there so it was really exciting to watch those two guys go and huff got in on the action other guys got into quentin jefferson um there were plenty of guys getting involved in the pass rush today but uh specifically the two first round picks from the last couple years they showed glimpses of why they are first round picks and why they can be game-changing players yeah, I mean, I think the you talk about those guys, and it's obviously so exciting, and they're so deep that you, you forget. They have another guy that we didn't see that I didn't even mention that I don't think anybody's really talked about, Michael Clemens. Do we have any info on why he didn't play today? Was he injured, or was it just rested for, for what reason? What do you think that was about? I just, just yeah, occurred I to seen. me as you were talking. I was like, wait a second, we have another, another young, talented defensive end to talk about, and I don't think he – I mean, he didn't play at all today, so maybe, maybe he got hurt. Yeah, I haven't seen anything on that, but I mean, it did give an opportunity for us to see the other guys a little bit more, yeah. and they definitely took advantage of it. Yeah, so the defensive line uh, was amazing. We'll, see, I mean, I'm sure something will come out about Clemens at some point, but defensive line, uh, amazing. Defense as a whole did a really nice job. I mean, especially considering we got to see some of the first team offense out there. The defense, including Tony Adams, all primarily sat. We didn't get to see any of those guys. It kind of makes sense. It's a new offense. Defense is the same from last year. Um, speaking of the first team offense, before we get to Zach, let's talk about some of the guys that we got to see for the first time. Nicole Hardman, Alan Lazard, and other receivers weren't, weren't too active in, the, in this one. Uh, got to see the running backs for the first time this season, Zonovan Knight. We got to see Michael Carter, who, I mean, it's early. It's a few drives in a, in a meaningless preseason game, but he did look a little, a lot more like the 2021 version of Michael Carter than the 2022 version. Um, and we got most of the first team offensive line. I mean, obviously Dwayne Brown's been injured. They sat AVT, um, but a little bit more of those starters out there on offense. So we'll get to the quarterback. We'll get to some of the other storylines, but first team offense that we didn't see last week. What did you make of some of those guys? Yeah, you and I were watching some of the plays back uh, prior to this, you know, analyzing every single run rep. You know, we'd replay it, look at Becton, look at Titman. Look at all the guys we wanted to analyze. Look, Tomlinson got some reps in this game. Um, and I, I think it was a step forward from the from the Hall of Fame game. Um, Definitely. The run blocking especially, I think, was pretty consistent, even if it wasn't you know, the most explosive 
rushing attack of all time. You know, they were able to get consistent positive chunks, which is what I think this offense wants to do. Even and you know, they want to hit home runs, obviously. When you have Brees Hall, it's why you draft a Banacanda. So they want to hit home runs for sure, but I think they also want to be consistent at staying ahead of the chains so they can establish the play action game so they can get into favorable third downs. And I mean, we saw in this game, the value of doing that, you know, after the jets really established their run game early, you know, they showed that they can get four to six yards consistently. That's when they started working in some of those bootlegs and they scored multiple touchdowns off of that. So uh, the ability to just consistently get positive runs, like let's not get stuffed, get behind the chains, I think it's important for this team, and they did a good job of that today with some of their starters in the game. Um, looking at Becton and the run game, I don't have any concerns about him in that phase. I mean, I know I know he's playing against backups the first couple games, but you know he's just overwhelmingly dominant with the movement he creates. Other other guys in the, in the league just don't create the movement he makes. Just the amount of space that he covers and creates, and how far he's able to move edge rushers. Yeah off of their spot is is rare you don't see a lot of guys doing that so i'm not concerned with him in the run game at all and then, and then just watching titman he had so many good reps again that you and i saw and, and then another guy stood out who you pointed out to me and said i need to make a highlight reel of and i probably will get to that nick bauden i mean he's showing us why he's going to get a roster spot he had had some great blocks uh, from the fullback alignment so all over the place I thought the run blocking would look pretty good uh there was I want to watch more of Max Mitchell, but there was one really bad play he had in the beginning where he dove and, you know, it was another one like last week where he's just getting scorched and getting beat immediately, but he kind of rebounded and had some good blocks after that. Right. Um, so I like the run blocking overall and then pass protection. Pretty good for the most part. Right. I think you would agree. Like it, yeah, it's clean, cleaner than last clean week. pockets, clean pockets all day. And then yeah, we- there was the one sack that uh, Becton and Cologne got split on. Yeah. With a, it was a really well set up stunt by the Panthers to give him credit and, create a miscommunication for Becton and Cologne. Uh, but other than that, I thought it was pretty solid with the protection. Yeah, pass protection looked good. I mean, I, they clearly, and I heard Zach talk about this after the game, that the Panthers play a lot of two, two high shells. They, you know, try to take away shots deep down the field, and they, they force you to go underneath, and you saw a lot of that. I mean, the Jets ran the football a ton. They threw short. A lot of action to the tight ends and the running backs. The receivers really didn't get involved much. So it wasn't like the, the offensive line got tested too much in – pass blocking but i thought they did a nice job of, of keeping uh the pocket up i mean especially when you watch Tipman as well i mean i thought Tipman again back-to-back great weeks again got to watch the film not from the broadcast angle and but we, you and i were watching the condensed game and just skipping through and, and keeping an eye on him and he's moving pockets in the pass game and in the run game he's a guy who i think really could push to be uh, among the starting five sooner than than a lot of people are, are thinking i mean schweitzer and mcgovern have been ahead of him um, but I think if if there's any thought to playing AVT at right tackle, I think Tipman definitely needs to be in the lineup. And perhaps even if not, I mean, I think he, there's an argument to be made that he's, you know, he's not the veteran, but he might be he might be better than McGovern. And I think the Jets should give him a chance to earn that spot. You know, who knows? It, it's possible Rodgers would prefer to have the veteran um, up in front of him. But yeah, I thought I thought blocking took a major step forward uh, in this game. And you have it is a new system. It's, it's a new blocking system as well with Keith Carter and. So it's going to take time, um, but I thought even guys like Lakin I thought looked all right in this game, and he was a guy who really struggled last year and can be a big difference maker for for this uh, offensive line. So don't overact, overreact too much to one quarter of preseason in terms of the starting offensive line, but I think some of the concerns we saw uh, about their or 
you know, reps and practice might have been overblown. I know the Panthers didn't play Brian Burns. That might have made a big difference. But also the Jets would play Aaron Rodgers, who would be getting rid of the ball quicker. They don't have Brees Hall out there as well. Uh, they don't have Garrett Wilson. So, you know, I think it, it balances out. And some of the guys that we've been concerned about um, played all right. I, the biggest thing is Becton being able to play those 26 snaps. That's the biggest thing. Because arguably he's their, he's their most talented tackle. He might be their best, their best tackle. The question is just can he stay on the field. And the fact that he was able to get – through those 26 snaps on the same field that he he had suffered the knee injury two years ago. I think that was a big mental barrier for, for him to overcome. I'd like to see him push, uh, you know, into the first team, getting more first team reps uh, in these, in these joint practices with the bucks. I think at this point we'll see if to, where Dwayne Brown's at, but I, it sounds like Dwayne Brown has at least another week. And if that's the case, give Beckton some of those first team left tackle reps. If you don't want to give him the right tackle reps right now, fine. But I think at this point it's, safe to assume he's probably better than Billy Turner. So I'd like to see Beckton get uh, some more first team reps um, this week. Let's talk about Zach. You, you got to, you got to meet Zach briefly on the field before the game. Send me a photo. I did. I did get a chance Hypocrite. to snap a quick selfie with him. Yes. You can call me whatever you want, but to be fair, it was my dad who initiated it. So I just hopped in. It's like, oh, all right, okay, I'll get in. So I do now have a picture with the Jets, former second overall pick. That's nice. I, 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 like, I like the way you played today, though. I think through, through these two games and what we see in training camp, you could see the process and the poise improving. You could see Aaron Rodgers really rubbing off um, in, in terms of those mental and fundamental aspects. I really do think you can see that. I think in this game, he did a good job of getting the ball out quickly, especially early on. He took a lot of you know quick curls, sits to the tight ends and stuff, um, throws in the flat to the running backs he would take. So I, I, I like the way he's played these first two games. And obviously a lot more reps in this game. So more of a chance to evaluate him. So I, I like the process. It's improving. That's the most important thing. But and there were some shaky accuracy issues in this game. So I still think that's something where he needs some work. And that's probably the most long-term part of his development, you know, fixing the mechanics and just getting to the point where he could be more consistent with his accuracy. Because, you know, he did have some pretty bad misfires in this game. You know, there's a out route to Lazard that he just completely sailed. There's the throw in the flat tonight that he just threw way over his head and behind him. So you know, he did have some misses. Pass. That Yeah, that was probably the worst one, especially because, you know, it was third and short. Like, you just want to get the ball in the guy's hands, let him have a chance to make a play. Um, but you make the catch tough, and then even, even if he does catch it, he's going to take a big shot. So uh, still some ball placement issues. I think the accuracy, still a long way to go with that. But uh, I, I like the signs we've seen in terms of just and, and, you know, it's a low bar to clear. It's not like we're saying he's a world – he is Aaron Rodgers yet or a world beater at, you know, these aspects of the game. But, you know, he has been struggling with it so much the first couple of years that you just want to see steps up to where he can be be for the team exactly what he is right now, which is a backup quarterback, be solid in that role. And I think in some of these aspects he is working towards towards doing that. Yeah, I think the, the big thing that stands out to me is he just doesn't seem as overwhelmed. And I think part of that is – being a third-year player, he's not young anymore. He doesn't have the pressure of being the starting quarterback on his shoulders. But it's also, I don't think Michael Floor is a very good teacher. I mean, we weren't in the building, so maybe that's unfair of me to say. But there's been a number of players who have said things along the lines of being confused about last year and not really understanding the game plan or feeling overwhelmed. And I think LaFleur might be a good schemer. Um, but Zach clearly seemed overwhelmed last year. And he even said it himself last week that there were times where he – he, or he, you know, he felt comfortable last week because he 
knew what their plan was. He knew exactly what they were going to do. And I think in this game, you really saw that. I think they've simplified things for him. I think Hackett, you know, we'll see how he is as a schemer, but I think as a teacher, he's, he's certainly an upgrade over, over LaFleur. Um, I agree with you. You know, I think, you know, he, he got off to an okay start. Zach did, you know, driving him down the field. I thought his best throw was actually the, the incompletion to Hardman in the end zone, which would have been called yeah, back. That, that anyway. was really well placed. Very yeah. Good if throw. Hardman played that better, it was going to drop right into his hands. So that was a nice throw, but it, yeah. it didn't matter eventually. Cause it was, it was McGovern's, uh, uh, it was a penalty of McGovern. Then he, you know, he lagged a little bit. Like you said, he had some of those misses, but he did come back. I thought he played really well in that two minute drill as well. Um, you know, things look good for Zach when he's getting the ball out of his hands quickly and he doesn't have to think as much. And you got to see that, uh, on that drive. Um, you know, how about a Banacanda's spin move? I mean, which spin move do you think was better, his or JJ's? So you asked me this before we started, I'm going to go with Izzy's just because I think it was, uh, I think it was a little bit cleaner in terms of, you know, fully selling and clearing the guy based on the spin with, with JJ. What I like about that spin is that is how he was able to come off of it into something else and chain those two moves together. So I will go with Izzy, but both are great. And, you know, the Jets are just stacking the spin moves now between McDonald last week, these two, and plus Carter early in this game kind of had like a double spin on a run that looked pretty nice. So, I mean, the Jets are just showing showcasing some finesse throughout these two games. Yeah, so that I, that was a touchdown, by the way, right? That seemed like a touchdown to me. I, I would say just... I can see why they overturned it, but there was no definitive angle that showed it. It was funny at the stadium. Uh, there was one angle they showed that was probably the best one to prove that he was short. But right as soon as his knee was going to hit the ground, some guy just walked in front of the camera and blocked the whole shot. So that, I don't know if they showed that one on TV after rewatching it, but that's probably the best angle. So I, I don't know. I would would have let it stand. Well, but either way. Amazing round. Didn't matter as much. The Jets were able to, to score on that drive. Hackett clearly likes the, the PA boot to the tight end. I mean, three tight end touchdowns all within uh, in the red zone. That was what Hackett was in charge of in Green Bay. I think all of them were like inside the five. So I guess be on the lookout for that. Gold zone. Gold, sorry, Correct. the gold zone. Make sure to draft Tyler yes. Conklin to your fantasy teams. I think he's going to get a lot of red zone action this year. Uh, Ruckert had a few nice catches. Gold zone. Okay, sorry. You said red I've zone. I've been saying red zone for 23 years, man. I'll go back to <laughs> – I'll, I'll try to adjust to gold zone. Um, yeah, I thought Ruckert, uh, played all right as well. We noticed him on a few blocks. Um, he's a guy that you've been talking about overtaking Uzama, uh, this season. It might happen earlier rather than the sooner because it sounds like Ruckert's had a nice camp. We also noticed, I mean, every time you would watch film last year, you would send me a text saying Uzama's a sneaky, terrible run blocker. And yet again, there was one play that demonstrated that. So yeah. <laughs> I think Ruckert has a chance. Um, but yeah, I mean, the receivers in this game, you know, we didn't get to see too much of them somewhat underwhelming but it wasn't like there was really that much that many opportunities for them um, but I think the tight ends and the running backs and even having a fullback like Nick Bowden I mean I think that's what's really stood out to me is that even with Aaron Rodgers the Jets want their identity to be able to run the football and then build a passing game off the play action be able to play 12-13 personnel uh, be able to throw screens to these running backs yes it's nice uh, to have a great receiver like Garrett Wilson and he'll get plenty of of targets and the speed of Michael Harbin but you know, what stands out to me about, about this offense is that the two big uh, receivers that they have, and Alan Lazard and Corey Davis, can block their ass off. They have two, I would say, t- uh, I'll say two good t- uh, blocking tight ends. I'm not going to give Uzama the credit there, but I think Conklin and, and Ruckert are great blocking tight ends and then a, a guy like Baden. So even though this offensive line has some question marks, you know, I still think, A, there's 
stuff that they can move around. They get Brown back. They might be able to play ABT at tackle. We'll see about Becton, et cetera, Tipman. Um, but B, the skill position players can really block, and the Jets are going to build their, their offense off of that. So, you know, again, it's a preseason game. You can't take away too much, especially when your, your starting quarterback isn't playing. But I was I was encouraged with with what we saw um, from from the blocking and, and the tight ends and, and positions like that. The other thing that stood out to me, and I know this isn't fun because it's it's preseason football or whatever, and yeah, maybe we're biased because he's a friend of the pod. But Thomas Morstead, man, do you agree? With, do you think he's the second biggest upgrade this offseason? I think he has overbraid. I think you could argue that. I mean, what is he? Probably a top ten punter. Yeah, and I think we are at like thirtieth with man. So yeah, you can very much justify that argument. I mean, just even uh, he's you know look, and and we'll throw Zerline in the mix as well. The veteran special teamers that the Jets have, they've been perfect throughout preseason. But I was just thinking about, I forget which punt it was. Maybe it was the second punt he had that he pinned him inside the five. And I was like, if that's Braden Mann last year, that's going straight into the end zone. Panthers are starting at the 20. And those 18 yeah. yards make such a huge difference in terms of not just, you know, yards that the Panthers have to earn, but the way that the Panthers came out in that next series and trying to get out of their own end zone because they're facing this crazy Jets defensive line. When you have an amazing uh, I don't want to say, you know what? I'll say amazing. We have an amazing punter like Morrissey who can pin you inside yeah, the ahead. five consistently and then couple that with the defensive line that the Jets have that can get after the quarterback. I, I'm, you know, maybe we should have some sort of bet about how many safeties the Jets are able to get this year because the combination of a, of a great defensive line and a great punter, I mean, that's that's a recipe for success that nobody ever talks about. Um, but, you know, again, two preseason games. I know we're talking about punters. I know he's been on the podcast a couple of times, but. We had to throw that out there. I thought I thought Morstead uh, really impressed me in this one. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It's you know special teams kind of make up the margins of the game. Like you'll look at the quarterback play, compare that, and the run games, and you know compare all these factors that are the most obvious. But then there there are a lot of little things that happen beneath the surface that also contribute to the score that maybe make up some of the gaps that you're not seeing. Like you know you can outplay a team but then maybe the game's closer than it should be because there are hidden yards and points being gained on special teams. And we saw many examples of that last year where, you know, the Jets lose to the Lions because there's a punt return touchdown in there. They lose to the Patriots because a punt return touchdown at the end. I mean, that one was more obvious because it was at the end, but, you know, there are various examples well, and, of that. And just there are so many punts that we don't remember that, you know, the Jets were punting around midfield. Exactly, right. And that they could have pinned them deep and potentially had a safety or – made a big play because offenses just have to change how they call the game when they're five yards away from, from a safety or disaster. Um, I'll ask you this. How many safeties do you think? Random prediction time. By the way, I was two for three of my random predictions of this one. I called the Jermaine Johnson sack, which I guess wasn't too hard. I called a Zach Wilson to Kenny Yeboah touchdown, though, which was you know kind of a long shot. I don't know what the Vegas odds on that would have been. I didn't get the Javelin Gidry interception, but but whatever. But how many how many safeties are you predicting for this season? Random prediction. I'm going to write it down. I'll come back to it. Well, I think that you make a great point about Morstead helping you to set those up. I also quickly brought up a stat here to back you up on that. So last year, Mann had the fourth most touchbacks of any punter with eight. Morstead only had two down to 28. Oh, yeah. So should definitely see a decrease in that. More of those punts inside the five to set up. And with those, Hardy. You know, yeah, and with Hardy as well, and I like the speed they have on special teams too. You can really see that. I mean, with Koontz, I don't know if Koontz will make the roster initially, but he's just one example of you know kind of the the bottom of the roster really is a lot of speed. Yeah, and that's going to help in these types. They draft of draft the, the Raz so, freaks. Yes, there. Joe Douglas loves his Raz, so plenty of that on the roster, and I think that'll help. So 
long way of saying I think they're going to get a good number of opportunities to get some safeties this year. Let's say what they had last year, one or two, just the one by uh, oh they had the so the Dolphins have, one, right? Uh, so you're gonna have to stall the one by Bridgewater head. and the one by Johnson against the Bills. That's two right off the top of my head. Uh, did they have any more than that? We're gonna have to find out. But I'm, let's go with three. I'll give them, nah, that's pretty ambitious. I'm two going, safeties. I'm going three. Two. I'm going three. I'm saying the Jets three? get three safeties this year. All yeah, right. I like the combo of of Morstead and this and this defensive line. Okay, I keep getting like say like the position safeties. It's really hard to look up how many safeties there were. Um, Michael, you're better. Or you're better. You're better at getting. The I'm stats. gonna try. To look All right, it up. you look All it right. up. Uh, what else can we talk about? Our guy Boyle. You know he had a tough interception, man. Early, that was that was a pretty brutal interception. Great tackle though to save the touchdown and uh, preserve the shutout. But I thought Boyle uh, rebounded nicely. I mean, obviously the Jets were running the ball a lot in the second half, and again the run blocking looked looked pretty good. But I thought Boyle did a nice job of settling back in after that that interception. He does seem to have a good understanding of this offense and knowing where to go with the football and pretty good accuracy as well. I know, um, you know, that interception was rough um, and he didn't throw too much, but I thought he did a nice job of moving the ball down the field and Hey, he put up two touchdown drives. So, and especially that fourth down one he had uh, to Koontz. And I know Koontz was wide open, but he did have to hang in the pocket there. So shout out to our guy Boyle. He did come up to you before the game too, right? I know- yeah. Yeah. Before the game, um, you know, my dad saw him and he was kind of walking away from the area where we were down on the field and he called him over. He's like, like, yo, Boyle, like my son, Michael, is with Jets X Factor. You were on his podcast. He's like, oh, yeah, he's here. Bring him over. So I walked over. I was in a different spot because I wanted to hold hold down our spot closer to where most of the players were. Boyle's in a different spot. Getting strategic. So, yeah, getting strategic. Got to hold down your ground there. It's, you know, fierce competition. But, yeah, I went over there, and, and he was so cool. Like, he remembered me, and he was chatting with me for, like, a minute because I expected him to just be like, yeah, what's up? Take the picture. And, and walk away, but no, he's he like was tagging. Me. He's he like, was, so, so he was not yeah, when we talked to him. He was pretty, you know. I wouldn't have expected that. No, no, him. like I, I'm not surprised he's that way because he was so cool and he it's talked like to us. But a month ago, <laughs> yeah, but you know, he was chatting to me. He's like, so you live down here, and I was like, yeah. And then I, I said, I was at the practice. Like, how's it going with you guys? And he's like, yeah, it's cool to like face a different defense for once. We're adjusting to it, and like he was just chatting it's with awesome. me for like a minute. It was, it was really how many cool. how many Jets fans were with me? There's a lot of Jets fans. Nice. I, I I wouldn't go as far to say 50%, maybe like 30, 30. You said there were a lot of older women going crazy for Zach in the section that you were at? Yes, yeah, Zach, Zach is still very popular with the ladies. He's taking so selfies? With, well, what happened? He was taking selfies with them? Well, he would he would take pictures with them. and then So I was standing down there for like an hour and a half from when the gates opened, two hours before the game to 30 minutes before the game started. And they took the picture with them. You know, early on, and then for nonstop for like an hour, they're like losing their minds. <laughs> they're what, they're... We're getting a chance to take a picture with Zach. So, and, and Zach was very cool. Like, like give him all the credit in the world for how he's handled everything. He still, you know, takes time to you know take pictures with the fans, and you know he's very personable with them. He, he's very cool. So, you know, on the field is you know say whatever you want, but off the field, I feel like he's he handles himself really well i think nice um all right well who else stood out to us i mean i guess we could... oh also i got a picture with quinnon as well oh, nice. I, I did share that one nice that's the one i shared it's got to be the angle because you actually cool don't well. look too much smaller than quinnon in that photo but he has to be a mat he's a massive human being it's actually not i'm 250 yeah, okay. Right <laughs> okay yeah you've been in the gym though <laughs> i saw i saw you wore the cutoff you wore the cutoff sleeves 
You were copying Zach after last week. It was partially inspired, but it was also like 95 degrees. So I was trying to save all the, take every, get every inch that I could, you know, to just cool myself off. It was, it was rough out there. Yeah. With the heat. Take you back enough. Of my... so that, that was the inspiration for the cutoff, but also, you know, maybe I have been putting a little bit of work. Nice. In, there so we go. I see it. I've been uh, inspired by Zach. Yeah. Show it off a little bit. Piggybacking off the, the tweet I had last week. It, Zach, because Zach had that completion of Malik Taylor, he unlocked his uh, his shooter sleeve. So he was able to wear that in this game. So he slowly. He got enough VC. Yes. To, to purchase the shooter sleeve. So the better he plays, the more equipment he's going to unlock. Uh, let's do some studs and duds. All right. I guess we can move through. Um, I mean, I, I think the first stud that, that pops into mind is just defensive line. Pretty, pretty cut and dry, but. Uh, Jermaine Johnson in particular got on the board with that sack. And it wasn't just that sack. Like you said, he had a number of plays, was creating a ton of pressures. Um, Will McDonald, Bryce Huff, all those guys. But even even like Deslin Alexandre, who was the guy I'm spacing on his name? I apologize. They just signed him and he had a sack. Help me out here. Um, Bruce Hector? Bruce Hector. Yeah. I mean, just but like this, this Jets team is so deep yeah. that there's these guys who aren't going to make the 53 but are, are fighting to make that practice squad or maybe get a, a shot elsewhere. And no matter who is out there, the, the, the front four was creating pressure all day. Um, so defensive line as a whole, I guess I'll give I'll give studs to. Um, you, you got a dud for me? We can go back and forth. I know it's, it's hard uh, to find a dud I mean, for a twenty-seven. That's a hard one to pick in a twenty-seven nothing game. Um, I guess wide receivers they haven't really yeah. stood out at all. Do you think they're keeping just, six as a whole? I you know say duds just because they haven't really shined in any way. You think they're keeping six? I mean, we've kind of assumed that the whole way, but the more we go along here and it's like, you know, what are you pointing to in the game that actually justifies it? You know, maybe because we know they're going to have to make some tough decisions at the bottom of this roster to keep a fullback, keep a guy in Hardy who doesn't really play cornerback. Like they have some of these luxury players, I guess you can call them. So you have to make some tough deep defensive line. (laughs) Deep, exactly deep. And even O-line, they might go 10 deep or close to it. So there are going to be some tough cuts and maybe they do go five receivers if no one really starts shining. But I think, and you brought this up last week. It's a great point, but the more I think these receivers start to or continue to be quiet in these preseason games, I think that favors Malik Taylor because he's the guy out of these receivers who you can trust on special teams because he's played it a lot in the league in the regular season. He's got plenty of special teams tackles in his career. He made a great one last week and some of the other guys haven't really, or none of the other receivers have really shown too much in terms of special teams. So I think it would favor Taylor the longer this goes on. All right. This is a random question that I've pulled up my 53 man roster right now, just because we were talking about it. I have a question that's relevant to what we're talking about, but then one that just popped up. So I'll I'll roll with that one. Talking about the receivers. I, I think there's a chance that they just roll with five, especially initially to try to get some of those guys like JBC. I think he has to, you know, he hasn't practiced at all, so I would imagine he's probably going to end up on, on IR or the pop list or whatnot. Uh, he's one of those guys that they might get onto the roster and then place him on on short-term IR and then sign somebody back like Malik Taylor or whatnot. Um, so we'll see if they keep six receivers. I'd agree with you that if that's the case, it'll be, it'll be Taylor. But I was looking at Randall Cobb, who also didn't play today, which it makes sense. He's the veteran with Aaron Rodgers, whatnot. We haven't really talked about him too much. What do you think his role is going to be on this offense? Because we haven't seen him too much. And clearly it's like, okay, I know he didn't play because he's he's a veteran. But is he a guy that we're not talking enough about in terms of having a, a role on this offense, on the field with, with Aaron Rodgers? We know Hackett loves him. We know Rodgers loves him. Like, is he going to be getting reps over Hardman, you think, at, at times? 
I mean, I th- yeah, I would say compared to what we've seen so far, because Hardman's been out there with the first team a lot, I would say he'd cut into that a little bit, and maybe we'd see, because I know a lot of people talking about, you know, maybe Hardman's role will be expanded. I think Cobb is going to cut into that a little bit when he's ready. I think some of the routes, especially underneath, maybe Cobb eats into that a little bit. Hardman more so focuses on his strengths of, you know, doing what he does as a gadget guy, which... I think that's what he does best. And if there if there was potential for him to be more than that, I feel like it would have been unlocked in Kansas City over four years with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So I feel like Hardman's going to assimilate into that. And Cobb is going to be involved on third downs, you know, running slants, routes into the flat, maybe the occasional route up the seam, things like that, because he has the chemistry down with Rodgers. And, and Joe Blue has showed in his film review that Cobb still runs really good routes, even if he isn't the same athlete at this point of his career, his route running is still crisp and his hands are still really reliable, especially compared to, you know, the Jets do have some receivers with maybe questionable hands. I think Hardman is one of them. Lazard is another one. Um, In comparison to some of those guys, I think Cobb has very reliable hands and he's the type of guy I would want to target in a third down situation. So I I feel like Cobb is going to get in there once he's ready. Well, part of the reason I asked that I'll I'll tie this all together is because this game showed how deep this, this Jets team is. Um, there are going to be some guys inactive on game days that I think are fans are going to have fans upset. I mean, you remember the beginning of last year when Bryce Huff was inactive at the start of, I think it was the first two weeks or first two or three weeks. Um, and I think you're going to see that again. This I don't know if it's going to be Huff in particular, but if you look at your 53, it's like, okay, you got to get six of them inactive. Is I feels like to me that Cobb might be somebody that you you could maybe have inactive, especially at the, end, the beginning of the season. And then maybe as the season goes on, we get deeper in deeper into playoff, you know, that's my, when he, maybe when he, when he makes his impact. But when you look at your 53, Michael, I mean, who are your six inactives? It doesn't really, I mean, Cobb to me seems like somebody that I might want to make an active because it's not, he's not like he plays a big role in special teams. I don't, I don't, he has in his career, but I don't anticipate him returning kicks at this point. Um, and yeah, he's a, he's a backup slot receiver. I mean, the reason he's on this roster is because he's a veteran. He's great friends with Rogers, you know, likes playing under Hackett, and I'm sure he'll, like you said, get in there at some point. But week one, is is Cobb active? I think he is. So who are, yeah. who are, you, who are you having an active then? Because then it's like, all right, then is McDonald or Huff an active then? Because go through your roster. We did the 53s last week, but it's like, okay, a Banacanda, that makes sense. You know, if they carry four running backs, one of them should be an active, maybe even two at, at a certain point. Depending on how many receivers or tight ends they carry, you know, I think you only need five receivers active and and three tight ends but you could maybe go down to four receivers especially how good the, these tight ends have been and how much they want to target them you got the o-line it's like okay carter warren will be inactive it's like then it's like then you get to the d-line and then it gets tough it's like i guess out of all those guys i'd say i would want solomon thomas inactive but you look at the edge guys it's like i don't want to have clemens mcdonald huff or johnson inactive so you got to find you got to find places to to find inactives I mean, so I pulled up my 53 here from last week's show and I added it up. It's 53. We don't have to do any (laughs) mathematics here. Um, So let's go through it and try to pick out six inactives, right? So six is the number we want, right? Get it to 47. So we can start There's more mathematics. We can start with, uh, man, where do you, where do you even start here? I guess we can start with safety. I, I had Bernard Converse on here, so I guess he can be one. At linebacker, I guess, can you go with three? I had Barnes. Can we make him inactive? Sure, okay. That would be two. I mean, 
Then you look at wide receiver. I guess make that. I, I had Brownlee on here, so we can make the six receiver inactive. That's three. Carter Warren definitely. That's four. Uh, you take one of the. I was gonna say Schweitzer, but I mean Turner. I guess you could use as a backup guard. So maybe one of him and Schweitzer could put you up to five. Let's go with that okay. just for the sake of it. Um, and then, and then I guess if you want to keep that D line open, you could go with a corner here. I I had Eccles and Gidry on this one. I know Eccles for Week One is going to be suspended. Do you have Hall? We're just uh, I do not have Hall. Oh, okay. On this roster, uh, so I guess you could take one of those corners out, and, have and that could get you to six corners. and have the D line open. But uh. Yeah, you are really. If you want to keep all those D linemen, you do gotta go pretty short at some other positions. So, so that that that's a good point. Maybe you know there will be some inactive decisions that frustrate us, or maybe a trade is coming. I know we've talked about that a little bit. You know, is there a possibility of that? And you know, the more you look at this logjam, you know, the more you think there is an opportunity for it. I don't think. Again, I'm not saying they should. I would love to just run out this dominant Uber deep yeah. defensive line every week, but uh. You know, maybe just think about the possibility. Yeah, I mean, I will. The one thing I will say about this this discussion is that the inactives, having too many of making hard decisions, it's really only a fact of the first week or two, maybe three weeks, because then an inch, someone's going to get hurt. Somebody will get hurt, right. and then immediately you'll be like, okay, we can have you know all these guys out there. So, and we're glad we have this guy instead of a seventh round pick. Yes. in two years. Um, all right. Well, I guess I don't know if there's anything, any other. I mean, I know we, we struggle with the, the studs and duds. There's not too many from this game. Like you said, the receivers, I guess you, you could mention. Uh, other guys that stood out to you, though, lastly, I mean, I, know, I think the linebackers, they've suffered a lot of injuries um, between, you know, Shurilis and, and Surratt didn't play. Sherwood, I, I got to go back and rewatch, but I thought he played all right in this game. Um, I, we didn't focus on, on Sherwood too much, honestly. We were just watching the D-line when we were watching defense and then going back and watching the O-line. Um, but I know Nick Vigil had that that great play on fourth down, um, and Zaire Barnes really flies around the field as well. But again, we'll sit back, watch the All-22 to really digest uh, some of these guys. You have to focus on them uh, individually, uh, especially with the DBs as well because there's really nobody out there that outside of, I guess, Eccles. Um, that I think is going to make the 53. I mean, these guys are a couple nice reps. We can throw him out there. All right. So Eccles had a, a few nice guy. reps. Yeah. Um, but like, I think, you know, obviously trading friend of the podcast. I think he had some nice reps as well, but I think we're talking about roster. I think he's probably more of a practice squad guy at this point. Um, especially with JBC having to probably make the 53. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I guess that's it, Michael. Uh, if you think of anything else, throw it in after the plug. A little short, shorter of a pod. I know we say shorter pod. It's like 35 minutes, which is like most pods. But uh, follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. Michael, Michael, just Renania, myself, Ben W. Blessingson. Go to JetsXFactor.com, best place to go for Jets content. Uh, subscribe to their YouTube. And then if you can, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Michael, last thoughts? Any other things that's out uh, to you? I have to say this pre I know I've said a few times now that I think preseason games at times can become somewhat of a drag, but this was pretty enjoyable. I guess when it's 27, nothing, yeah. it's a lot more fun, but uh, I, I will admit, I will admit one thing. I did leave this game at halftime. Fair weather. It was very hot. I did not want, I, I, it actually applies in a literal sense. I'm an actual fair weather <laughs> fan because it does need to be fair weather for me to sit there and watch the third string offense. But with that being said, when I was watching, I thought it was pretty enjoyable. So in the green uniforms, always back great the uniforms. out there. They did look great. In Carolina. That, 
That, that's always the topic I'll go back to. Like, I don't have anything to talk to, fall back on uniforms. That's the one thing I could always bank on. I did think the uniforms looked pretty nice. Um, yeah, I mean, they don't wear the green too often, especially green under the sun like that. We haven't seen the uniforms look that, that color too often. It looked like it, it did week one, 2019, that bright, vibrant green. A lot of other times I've worn the green, it just looks like drawn muted or something. I think it's just because they don't wear it in, in September, but uh, Jets join practice week with the Bucks. We'll get a uh, the return of Todd Bowles to Florham Park, and then the Jets have their first home game of the season at MetLife. Should be the debut of the uh, the midfield logo. I mean, at, we're, at this point, pod's over. We're just talking uniforms and aesthetics, but should be getting the the, the Jets. When was the last time the Jets had a, a midfield logo? That's a trivia question for somebody to tweet at us. It, I know they had it with Vinny at times, but it went away in the early 2000s, so I don't know exactly when the last time the Jets had that midfield logo. That must have been it, right? I don't, I don't – I mean, at least since I started watching, yeah. I know there hasn't been one. Um, but, like, throughout the 2000s, I don't think there was. Did they ever do it with, like, Titans at Giant Stadium maybe? I'm not 100% sure. I don't think they did, though. Wait, what do you mean Titans? When they wore the Titans uniforms. No, no, it was all NFL. Did they ever have it? No. No. No, it's all NFL. So and I, then they I were going to have it at MetLife, yeah. but they were they were doing it the way they do the end zones where they actually rip up the turf or whatever, and then a Giants player towards ACL, and so they, they got rid of it. But this is like the, this is paint like it is with the uh, the the Rams and the, the Chargers. So we have that to look forward to this week. Um, yes. I think it'll be important because Rodgers only got the one joint practice with the Panthers this week. Uh, you, you wanted to have a good two practices against this, this Bucks defense because we'll see if he plays any preseason action, but this – could be his final look at a opposing defense before we think one he goes them. out for the Giants game. I don't think so. I think that the Panthers practice one of those joints practices getting canceled does make it a little bit more likely in my eyes, but I don't think so. I don't think Rogers needs it. I really don't. I think he'll be okay. He got plenty of joint reps in that first one. And then the bucks are coming to town this week. Yeah. So he's going to get some reps. It's not like there's no action that he's getting. I think he'll be fine. But we'll see. We'll uh, we'll do a podcast uh, in the middle of next week talking about the joint practices and, and previewing that Bucks game and keep this uh, this offseason rolling. Training camp is flying by. I'm excited for Hard Knocks on Tuesday. Looking forward to that. What do you think? What do you think the biggest storylines from from Hard Knocks going to be? I think we'll get a good Beckton feature, especially. I think the storyline writes itself of yeah. him coming back to the place where he got injured and cutting it out, playing more snaps, and apparently playing pretty good. For the most part. So I think we'll see some of that. Uh, maybe they'll try to make some drama out of joint practice. Offensive line not doing great. Rodgers kind of called out the tackles in the press conference. So maybe out of that they make some talk. You think maybe they touch on Cook this week? Or you think maybe the Jets told him, no, don't talk about that? <laughs> he just, well, you wanted to throw that in there because I, I've seen more and more people on Twitter. <laughs> Come I, I actually wasn't thinking of that. I legitimately just want to know. No, I don't, I don't think we like, get Cook. Think I think we only see Cook if if he signs, honestly. But we'll, well, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah. but now that you mention it, I mean, this game did do a lot for my narratives, I would say. Yeah. The Michael, I know Running backs look good. I feel, we kind of glossed over it, but I think Michael Carter was a big winner from this game. Because to me, I, I think... Yes, we should have talked more about that. Yeah, I, yeah we already right. did the plugs, but whatever. To me, he uh, was a guy whose roster spot was in jeopardy. I mean, especially if they signed Cook, I think he was as good as gone. And then even not, it's like if, if a team offered anything for him, like a six-rounder, whatever, conditional six, you know... Uh, one, this preseason game did help, but that maybe did up his value. But two, it's like I think it's possible that the Jets would move on from him or maybe even cut him to just carry three running backs. 
because last year he really did not look that good. And then I know he's had an up and down camp and Donovan Knight's been out playing him and Banna Candace had some, some nice highlighting runs, but I thought you really saw the juice and, and the, the wiggle that you saw in 2021. He made a few guys miss. He had that pop and, uh, you know, players battle injuries all season and injuries that fans never hear about. And I do really wonder about Carter. What happened last year? Was it, you know, was it because his best friend Moore is in the doghouse? Was he fighting through an injury? You know, was it because of Brees Hall, you know, being the star, the fact that they, they traded for, for James Robinson? Like what was going on with Carter last year? Cause he just didn't look like the, the player that we saw when he was a rookie. And I think it's a preseason game. Don't overreact, but I really thought he he impressed. All the running backs had some some big moments, but Carter to me looked like the this is the, the juiciest. All, all the players are making fun of Rich Semini for calling him for calling him slippery or whatever, but I would say he was definitely the juiciest out of all the backs. I agree. Yeah, I mean that's what twenty twenty one Carter looked like. Just those first few runs he had, it was like that's the guy who we liked so much in his rookie year that you know we were confident in him being the guy going forward. Just because his game has never really been about being the fastest or the most powerful. It was always just about him being really savvy with avoiding contact, just little jukes, little spins, and just good vision in traffic to where he's going to find those holes. He's going to make you miss and he's going to turn two to four. He's going to turn four to six and being able to find those subtle extra chunks of yardage that a lot of other running backs aren't going to find as often as he was in that first year. So that's what he did. Just breaking so many tackles, even if each one is just a little bit extra yardage, it just made him a really consistent player in that first season, yeah. even if he wasn't a home run hitter. And that's what he was in this Panthers game. It felt like, yeah. And I think, you know, part of this credit should go to, to the running backs. Part of it should go to the run blocking and, and probably to hack it as well. But the jets were in third manageable all day, all day today. And that's, you know, that's kind of the power of what you're talking about. A guy who can turn a, a two-yard gain into a four-yard gain. It might not seem seem like much, um, but that extra effort, th- those little yards add up, and it's a completely different situation when you're in a, a third and seven versus a third and four. And the Jets were able to keep it into that that third and five or less pretty much all, all day. Uh, and a few penalties in the, in the first quarter, uh, outstanding. Outside of that, I think all the third downs they had were, were pretty much third and short, and you saw the Jets had a pretty high um, conversion rate on third down. So, uh, all that to say, pretty damn good preseason game. About as good as it gets for the Jets. A shutout, a nice Zach Wilson performance, a nice – we got backed in for, for 26 plays. Um, nice performances from the young guys in the trenches. I mean, all around, uh, just a great stress-free Jets preseason action. So, um, really enjoying that, really enjoying uh, – really looking forward to, to going back and, and re-watching this one. Um, but, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. We'll be back in the middle of the week sometime. We'll, we'll figure out exactly when, but – Let's talk about hard knocks, joint practices, previewing the Bucks game. Um, and we'll see you then. So everybody have a great week. Go Jets.